if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now at eight minutes past ten o'clock. Thanks for being with us. It's a Thursday. It's the 16th morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2020. And as you know, when it's Thursday, that means it's Piper Day. It is Dr. Everett Piper, who is a past university um, president. He is a columnist weekly with the Washington Times. He is a best-selling author. He's got a new book coming soon, I am told, as well. And he's a highly sought-after speaker and uh, um uh, political commentator. Uh, Dr. Piper joining us each and every week, once again on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, Doctor. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing great, Bob. I, I hope I'm coming through okay. I'm sitting in a very bad storm in Oklahoma right now. Can't tell a thing. You sound great. Sounds perfect. And uh, and that's that's good news. And if uh, it starts to become a problem, it's okay. We'll deal. But thank you, Dr. Piper, for uh, working your way through that storm to be with us. Um, Dr. Piper, I want to talk... Um, about equality. You know, you're a man of faith, obviously. We often talk about issues uh, involving, uh, you know, Christianity and issues involving faith in society. Uh, one of the principles I think that all people of faith uh, believe in is the, that, that all of us are, are created equally uh, by God uh, and that we are endowed with certain inalienable rights. And I don't want to sit here and recite um, American history, but but you believe in equality. I believe in equality. And it's one of the reasons why we fought so hard, and when I say we, talking about some of our uh, predecessors, but uh, fought so hard to pass the Civil Rights Act back in 1964. It was, it was a matter of making sure that there was no more of this sec- separate but, but equal. We were just flat-out equal, everybody of every color and creed and sex, etc. So equality is kind of the hallmark, the benchmark of the American experience. And now that we find ourselves in the middle, Dr. Piper, of this Black Lives Matter movement, and this push towards social justice and racial equality, it appears we have already surged way past equality as the goal. The goal for the Black Lives Matter movement and some of their aides and abettors, if you will, um, is not equality but superiority. It is not we all have to be the same. It's you had your turn on top. We get our turn on top. Now, I'm not talking about people who just believe black lives matter, which, of course, they do. All black lives, including those in the womb, um, because all of our lives matter. They're all precious in the eyes of God. But the organization Black Lives Matter is pushing for superiority. Uh, 
And some of the things that their leadership is uh, are saying publicly right now are chilling. They don't want equality. They want uh, to take over. And I want to read a couple of quotes from an article that you have commented on online, and then I want you to go in more depth on it for, uh, on it for us. A co-founder of the Black Lives Matter chapter in Toronto wrote in a Facebook post that white people are a genetic defect of blackness. She wrote that whiteness is not humanness. In fact, white skin is subhuman. She declared that, quote, white people need white supremacy as a mechanism to protect their survival as a people because it's all they can do is to reproduce themselves. Black people, simply through their dominant genes, can literally wipe out the white race if we had the power to. Uh, end quote. Um, that's a terrifying thought, that, that the people who are pushing Black Lives Matter and getting the support of government leaders are going to help them achieve the power that they, they wish to use in such a way. Take it from there, Doctor. I'm going to ask you to help me a little bit here, Bob. Um, because I'm in the storm, I can't pull up that story. So can you help me pronounce that woman's name? Do you have it there in front of you? It's, or it, you well, I, I can spell it. It's, 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 it looks like Yusra, Y-U-S-R-A, and then Kogali, K-H-O-G-A-L-I. That's how I'm going to go with okay. it. Yusra Kogali. Right. Yusra Kogali. This woman is the leader of Black Lives Matter in Canada, more specifically Toronto. So she is a leader of BLM. She has said exactly what you just quoted and she wrote it and posted it on Facebook. One of the sentences that's left off of your quote is she concludes that statement by saying, Allah, please help me to not kill these white folks in front of me. Okay, so here's my point. She is a radical Darwinist. She is a Black Lives Matter secularist. She is a Marxist, and she is a Muslim. I'm going to give you a mathematical formula that I've created. When you take radical Darwinism plus Marxism plus Islam, what you get is the extermination of the inferior, the unfit, and the infidel. So in other words, radical Darwinism plus Marxism plus Islam equals extermination of the inferior, the unfit, and the infidel. We have three worldviews that have coalesced under the banner of Black Lives Matter, and all three of those worldviews have antipathy for the Judeo-Christian ethic, for Christianity and the biblical worldview. And this woman just said that people, because of the color of their skin, are inferior and subhuman. And if you don't have as much melanin in your skin as she does, you are subhuman, you are inferior, and she has to pray to Allah to not kill you. This should send a shiver up everyone's Fine. Everybody should be terrified of what they just heard. But this is predictable. When you have radical Darwinism, which does not believe the human being is any more superior than the dog, the pig, the cat, the cow, and you marry it with Marxism, which is class conflict, us against them, the 99 against the one, um, bourgeoisie versus the proletariat, the owners versus the workers. This is the nature of Marxism. It's based on conflict. So when you dumb down the human being, to nothing but an animal, Darwinism, when you have class conflict, Marxism, us against them, and then you bring in Islam, which cannot tolerate the infidel and seeks to exterminate it, what do you get? The elimination of inferior people, the unfit. The survival of the fittest 
And if you are subhuman because of the lack of melanin in your skin, which she just said, she has to pray to Allah to not exterminate you. This is Black Lives Matter. It is and the say, opposite of Martin Luther King's dream of a colorblind society. Right. It is the exact opposite. That that is that is a great point uh, because that is exactly what he dreamt and what he talked about, and it's exactly the melanin p- a component here is is the only thing they're focusing on. As a matter of fact, you know, some might say, "All right, France and Piper, uh, that's a one-off." What, I mean, that she's such an outlier. She's some Canadian uh, person for uh, Black Lives Matter up there. Well, it has nothing to do with anything. Okay. Well, let's look at. A popular, popular uh, entertainment personality by the name of Nick Cannon, who is uh, who was the host of uh, uh, um, The Masked Singer. He was the host previously of I think it was America's Got Was it America's Got Talent? I'm trying to remember the other shows that he has hosted, but he he hosts something called uh, or has hosted something on VH1 called. Um, Oh, for goodness sakes, I'm losing the the names here. It doesn't matter. The point is, he's a very well-known entertainer and television host. So he now does a podcast in addition to those other duties. And in his recent podcast, Nick Cannon said this. When we talk about the power of melanated people, melanin is so powerful and it connects us in a way that uh, that the reason why they fear black is because the lack they have of it. When you have a person that has the lack of pigment, the lack of melanin, they know that they will be annihilated. So therefore, however they got the power, they have a lack of compassion. Melanin comes with compassion. Melanin comes with soul. We call it soul. Soul brothers and soul sisters. It's the melanin that connects us. Not done. When they didn't have the power of the sun, the sun then started to deteriorate them, and so they're acting out of fear, out of low self-esteem, and therefore the only way they can act is evil, speaking of white people without melanin. They have to rob, steal, rape, and kill in order to survive. They are the true savages. They had to be barbaric because they're in these Nordic mountains. They're the ones actually closer to animals. They're the ones that actually are true savages. Now... Dr. Piper, you marry this to the the Black Lives Matter Toronto uh, story that we just told. This is not just a one-off. This is a belief in, it seems like, a lot of the black superiority part of this this movement that wants nothing to do with racial equality. Uh, You're spot on, and and I'm going to repeat myself here because it's the same message. This woman in Toronto and the quote that you just read, it's the exact same message. You have a message of survival of the fittest. These people are fit, other people are not fit. You have radical Darwinism that claims that there is a different, uh, that there's no different moral significance, biological significance, there's no difference between an amoeba, a dog, a pig, a cat, a cow, a boy, a girl. It's all part of the same biological evolutionary process. Therefore, you marry that with a new religion, a new religion, which is basically a revival of Gnosticism, because they're claiming they have special knowledge and awareness. In fact, the woman in trial calls it cosmic awareness that comes with a level of melanin. So it's this special knowledge, this gnosis, that makes one group of people more wise, more human than another group of people. Hitler said the exact same thing during the Nazi regime when he dumped down the definition of a human being and he excluded Jews from that definition. The Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda did the exact same thing by calling each other animals and therefore justified 
the genocide of killing each other. This is the nature of genocide. This is the nature of, of tyranny, to make your opponent less than human. You read two quotes that make that exact point. Well, and those two, again, may be dismissed by some people as being irrelevant and not anything to worry about. It's just people spouting, uh, you know, unfavorable opinions, etc. But, Dr. Piper, after the break here, I'm going to give you a third example, and I'm going to ask you to respond to it. This one is much more than just an entertainer. This person who made uh, similar remarks is, much, is not just some nobody up in Toronto. This person is going to have the Im- an impact on every school child in America. And I'll share that part of the story and get your reaction as we come back on AM 1420, The Answer. No matter what you think you hold, you'll find it's not enough. No matter who you think you know. Okay. Back with Dr. Everett Piper, uh, and we're talking about some very disturbing stuff. There is a movement toward what some are calling racial justice in America today. And quite frankly, um, it's not about racial justice anymore unless you believe that um, flipping the script and having one race uh, completely um, uh, demand and take superiority and control over another race unless you call that justice, because that's exactly what is being pushed here. Now, Dr. Piper, you and I just talked about two people, one a Canadian, a uh, member of the founder of the uh, Black Lives Matter Canada or Toronto chapter. Uh, I talked about Nick Cannon, who's an entertainer and a very well-known and liked one. Now I'm going to talk about somebody who can actually impact this country. The New York Times last year um, came up with a project called the 1619 Project, and it's uh, it's uh, it's pseudo-history, it's fictitious history that essentially claims that the United States was first founded in 1619 when the first African slaves arrived in North America, not 1776 when we declared our independence from Britain. Um, historians of all political persuasions all along the ideological scale have condemned this as being false history. And yet, Dr. Piper, it's being adopted as curriculum uh, uh, across this country. Uh, as a matter of fact, in the state of Ohio, just two nights ago, there was a huge, huge uh, discussion and debate about adopting this curriculum in the Ohio State Board of Education meeting, and they voted to adopt it. Now, the problem with this is the, the person, the primary writer of this uh, 1619 project is Nicole Hannah-Jones, the lead essayist in this New York Times Magazine project. And we're not talking about 2020 now, Dr. Piper, with this movement in Black Lives Matter. Some of her words go back to 1995, in which she declared in a screed that the white race is the biggest murderer, rapist, pillager, and thief of the modern world. She described actions of white people like Christopher Columbus, who was, of course, of Italian descent, as acts of devils, similar to Hitler. Um, The white's lasting monument is the destruction and enslavement of two races of people, she said. And she went on in this 1995 screed to describe, quote, the descendants of these savage people pumping drugs and guns into the black community, packing black people into the squalor of segregated urban ghettos, and they continue to be the bloodsuckers in our community. She wrapped it by calling white people barbaric devils. Now, this is the person who wrote the 1619 Project that is going to be impacting school children from one end of this country to the other. Now we're going beyond being terrifying, Dr. Piper. I mean, we're, we're on the precipice here of, uh, of, of, of I, I, dare I say, losing this republic. 
I did uh, in my radio show here in Oklahoma just yesterday. I I emphasized education, um, and I and I asked this question, this rhetorical question: Why is all this nonsense happening today? Why do we see this lunacy of Black Lives Matter and the church coalescing? Uh, along with a neo-Marxist organization that actually seeks the destruction of the Church and of Christianity? Why do we see the tearing down of monuments? Why do we see the defacing of even Abraham Lincoln, the great emancipator? Why do we see these juveniles, these millennials, these Gen Zers, actually tearing down a statue of Frederick Douglass in Rochester, New York, during the Fourth of July holiday? Why? because of our schools. What is taught today in the classroom will be practiced tomorrow in our culture. Abraham Lincoln even said this, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will become the philosophy of the government in the next. People, if you don't care about what's happening in your school, you will lose your culture. And the proof is, turn on the news. Watch what's going on today. And if people don't care about this curriculum, the 1619 Project being added to what your children are learning, if you don't care, then you've lost your culture, you've lost your republic, and in fact, we're on the precipice of already losing it because this crap has been taught in our schools for decades prior to this conversation we're having right now. This is just one example of what's being put back into the curriculum. What's taught in the classroom will be practiced in the culture. And even if you don't have kids in school or if you don't have grandkids in school, you need to care. You need to reclaim the high ground of a Judeo-Christian ethic being the foundation of the values of our culture and of our country, self-evident truths that are endowed to us by our Creator, not worshiping the created, but worshiping God, is the context for a free republic. And the 1619 Project actually says the exact opposite, because whiteness is equated with Christianity, and Christianity is equated with whiteness. Therefore, you have to destroy Christianity while you tear down what they claim to be as an unjust white supremacist culture. Dr. Piper, you are uh, an evangelical. You are a man of faith. You are a strong Christian. And as, a, and, and as such, I think you are, generally speaking, a man of great optimism that, that Jesus uh, will not abandon his people, that, uh, uh, that the world will, and, and God, uh, in, his, in all of his majesty and his uh, with his grace, will will help our country heal all of this. So can you give us any words of optimism? Given the fact that what we're seeing right now is happening, you just mentioned the schools uh, and, and a great, in, in great depth, uh, the, the trouble of what is being taught, uh, being implemented in life and in society afterwards. You're 100% right. Um, the equality that we all sought and strived for is not the goal now. The goal is racial superiority of one over another. And 13%, by the way, of the population essentially subjugating 87% of the population to their will. And it is being supported by members of that 87% majority. Give us a reason to be optimistic here. Give me some hope. Offer a prayer. Anything you can do. All right. As a Christian, I believe the Bible is true. And the story of the Bible is, yes, we are judged for our sins. (laughs) That's a truth. Maybe that's bad news. But we also know that we also know that forgiveness and repentance is always at hand. And we also know that Jesus promised us the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. I've spent time in Rome. 
I've looked at 2,000 years of church tradition and history that still stands bold and strong and clear. The gates of hell will not prevail against his church. And here's the thing we need to remember. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is not a time for conflict. This is not a time for vengeance. This is not a time for recompense and revenge. This is a time for confession. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. This is the promise that Christ gives us. We, as the body of Christ, need to be preaching confession and repentance, not revenge and conflict and conquest. Ask and you shall receive. That is exactly what I needed from you, Dr. Piper, and I knew I'd get it if I asked. Thank you so very much. I appreciate your input and your analysis. As always, be safe and be well, and we'll talk to you again next week. Blessings. Take care. And to you as well. That's Dr. Everett Piper on AM 1420, The Answer. And it's 1030. We'll take news now, and we'll take your phone calls following on AM 1420, The Answer. Ten thirty-seven. We roll onward on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. I got to tell you, there's some very, very, very disturbing language here that we are discussing. And I, you know, this is done all the time. The what aboutism? What if, you know, this had been said in reverse? But I mean, how do you not say that now, right? I mean, can it can it even be imagined that a writer? would say the things that I just shared with you from the writer for the New York Times magazine of the 1619 Project. For a writer, a white writer, to say the things that I just said that she said about black people, that that curriculum would be adopted in an American school? If a white writer had ever called, quote, the black race the biggest murderer, rapist, pillager, and thief of the modern world, If a white writer had said that the descendants of these black savage people pump drugs and guns into the community, etc., etc., the biggest bloodsuckers in our community, barbaric devils, if a white person had ever written anything even remotely close to that, can you imagine any school district in America voting to approve um, their work in school curriculum? I think we all know the answer here. It's just that we have to say it. We have to say this out loud. Because the author of the 1619 Project, who was awarded a Pulitzer Prize for this work being historically inaccurate and fictitious, the writer wrote those things about white people. Everything that I just said, she has said about white people. And apparently it's a popular feeling at the New York Times because Sarah Jong, another writer for the New York Times, in 2018, uh, had written on Twitter saying, quote, Are white people genetically predisposed to burn faster in the sun, thus logically being only fit to live underground like groveling goblins? Groveling, groveling goblins. I mean... We're in, we're, we're living in the cancel culture of 2020. If anybody has said anything remotely disparaging about racial or ethnic minorities, they're canceled. 
You don't even have to say anything disparaging about racial or ethnic minorities. You just have to support Donald Trump. You can be canceled. But racial and ethnic ethnic minorities like um, Sarah Jong at the New York Times and Nicole Hannah-Jones at the New York Times and Nick Cannon. How about Nick Cannon? This is. I'm going to your calls. Bear with me, but I just because I didn't get into this yesterday, I didn't have time, and I have to say this now. Nick Cannon was essentially fired from his VH1 show that he hosted um, by CBS and Viacom, which owns VH1. He was fired for essentially um, what they are calling anti-Semitic statements. Which is which is bad, obviously. If somebody's an anti-Semite, I think I would hope, and especially if they're public about it, I would hope they do lose their job over that. But the statements that he made that were anti-Semitic were like one one millionth as bad as the statements that he made about white people. Nowhere in anybody who who called for the firing or in the actual firing from CBS of Nick Cannon referenced his comments about white people. They only talked about the anti-Semitic comments, which, again, were very tame in comparison. Um, they were bad, but they were just not nearly as bad as the stuff that I read to you during Dr. Piper's interview uh, from Nick Cannon. Matt Walsh, tweeting about this from Matt Walsh blog, said, It's wild that we're just pretending he didn't call white people barbaric, evil savages. The black Hebrew stuff was way tamer than the part where he explicitly dehumanized an entire race of people. Yet the conversation about this incident just completely overlooks that. Crazy. And it's right. He's right. It is crazy. It's, it's impossible to understand. It's impossible to, to understand that those who fired him from CBS and those who are condemning him for his comments are only focusing on the tame stuff he said about Minister Louis Farrakhan. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, the anti-Semitic stuff. And I guess what we're finding out is something that we've already known, but it's just kind of crystallizing, I guess. We're finding out that if you are a member of a protected class, um, no one can talk about you in a disparaging manner without them being canceled. But if you are a member of the majority, you have no protections. You understand that? If a black man insults the Jewish race, he can lose his job. I would imagine if a Jewish person insults the black race, they can lose their job. I would imagine that if a black person insults a Muslim, they could lose their job. If a Muslim insults a Jew, they could lose their job. Well, not usually. But generally speaking, if you are a racial, religious, or ethnic minority, you kind of have free reign to say what you want with impunity even if you say it about white people, but if you are a white person and you say anything about an ethnic or religious or race racial minority, you're done. Your job is gone. Your life is upside down. White people have targets on them. We are, we are essentially, it, it is open season on the white race, and everybody of every other race can, uh, can take those shots. But if they take them about one another, or if a white person takes that shot, well, now we have a different story. All right, uh, let's go back to the phones. I'm, I'm just blown away by some of these comments from the uh, 1619 Project author to Nick Cannon to the Black Lives Matter Toronto uh, founder, etc. This is just really some staggering stuff. 
Uh, okay, back to the phones. And Joe in Fairview Park next. Hi, Joe, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hi, Bob. We need to get positive test results in relation to a virus into context with the mortality rate. Just saying we're having thousands of positives is not enough. For example, I read on the CBC website a few minutes ago that adults have an average of two to three colds per year, and children have even more, potentially over a billion cases a year. Everybody in the United States, three times over. Should we shut down everything immediately? Obviously not. Mortality rate being taken uh, into account needs to happen. A large number of positive results where the people don't die could tell us not to shut down everything immediately with a sledgehammer approach. Yeah. Also, well, you know, you know, Joe, we had we had literally, and this is what David Zanotti wrote about too. Uh, when I talked to him, and we talked about this, about the mortality rate should be the number one indicator about what we do as far as combating a, a virus. If it's not killing people, we cannot shut down the entire economy and lock people up for uh, for their own protection. If it's not killing people, and it doesn't mean we want people to get sick, but if people are going to recover, that's what we do. It's why we don't lock down and we don't make mask mandates every year during flu season, even though we know thousands and thousands of people will die from the flu usually the very old and the very young are the most at risk of dying of the flu but we don't shut things down we don't mandate masks we don't say six feet apart we don't say no sports and no school even though we know people are going to die because that's just the way that it works but now with this particular one despite a 99 plus percent survival rate suddenly we have to lock everything down it makes no sense whatsoever you're right the death count the mortality rate should be the number one indicator of what we do and how we do it. Steve is in uh, North Ridgeville next. Hi, Steve. Thanks for your patience. Go ahead. Hey, Bob. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, I am so frustrated listening to DeWine. I was driving back uh, yesterday. I actually ventured to New York to see my mom, uh, and I broke the rules going to New York State. But anyway, I wanted to vomit in my truck driving back, and, it, you know, I, I, I volunteer in St. John West Shore Hospital, and, and we always get temperature checked. Uh, you know, they ask you a little questionnaire. One day I was having a cup of coffee, just taking a break, and uh, I, I watched countless people come in and get checked. And I want to ask you, Bob, have you, when, when, if you've ever had to have this done, have you ever seen anybody that they've refused to let in because they failed that check? I have seen nobody fail any of these checks regardless of where they're going you mean like you mean like temperature checks that kind of thing yeah i mean i mean if if this disease was as bad as as dewine is professing that it is yeah this would be like uh the holy grail by monty python bring out your dead i see (laughs) nobody coughing i see nobody sneezing i don't see any I, i mean I don't see any of this, and if this is was that serious, it, it's just I, I'm, I'm ready to give up and stop listening to all this crap because it, it, that's all it does is it perpetuates ridiculousness. And it, well, what, what I would like, Steve, guy, you know, I would like some proof because I, I agree with you. I have not seen evidence of of this widespread sickness, as you said. I watch people going into places uh, with temperature checks, this, that, and the other. Um, I, I've not seen it either. What I want, I've been very consistent on this, is I want a list of the dead. They're telling us that 130,000 Americans have died of COVID, not with COVID, but of COVID. I want the names of the dead. 
I want to know their names. I want to see their obituaries in their local newspapers. I want to see that it says they died of COVID. I want names. And until I get them, I'm not buying this. I think they are absolutely fabricating things. I'm not saying the disease does not exist. We get viruses. We had the H1N1. We had SARS. We've had the bird flu. We have all these different things. Uh, I, I, I get it. Viruses happen. But for them to do what they're doing now, um, on the basis that it is killing so many people, first of all, 130,000 people, that's a terrible, terrible thing. But again, if you, first of all, I want to know that it's true. I want that list of the dead. I want their names and their obits to be publicized, number one. And then number two, um, if it is that bad, uh, the, or excuse me, even though it is that bad, I want the rest of the numbers to be given as well. And that is A, wh- how old were the people who did die? B, what was their living status? Were they in a congregant setting or not? Uh, C, uh, how many other people who took the test tested negative? How many people recovered? How many people have the antibodies? I want all the numbers. They are only, this is how they scare us. This is what DeWine did yesterday. I'm like you. I couldn't stand watching it. I'm yelling at my TV screen at 5.30 last night. He gives us the numbers that he wants to to uh, state his uh, or to support his policy making. He ignores or suppresses data that does not go along with his policies. And the number of negative tests matters. The number of antibodies tests matter. Um, the number of deaths matter. The number of hospitalizations from COVID matter. That's the other thing he said. Hospitalizations are on on the rise. He will not say COVID hospitalizations because he knows what Dr. Scott Atlas and many others have said no. That yes, hospitalizations are in the increase in a number of states, but it's because all these people who couldn't get their, their treatments or have their procedures done, whatever their needs were during March and April and May and June are now getting their treatments and are now in hospitals having procedures done. And the increase has really put a number of them up against it in terms of the, you know, the um, uh, uh, overcrowdedness of the hospitals. But as Dr. Atlas said, 85% of these new surges of hospitalizations are non-COVID related. But then they will test people because they're going into a hospital and they want to make sure that people who are not positive so they don't infect other people, they're giving mandatory COVID tests. And somebody could come in there for a knee replacement. Somebody could come in there for a pregnancy. Somebody could come in there for a car accident. And then they're testing them for COVID to make sure that they don't have to be isolated. And if the test comes back positive, they check check them as a COVID hospitalization. Even though the reason they're in the hospital is for the knee or the pregnancy or the car accident or whatever the case might be. I want the real numbers. I want the truth for Mike DeWine. And I don't believe I'm ever, ever, ever going to get it. Right back to your calls after this. AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, 1054, last segment. Before I go back to the calls, a reminder, you have to see Larry Elder's new movie. Uncle Tom, the people in this movie share three things in common. They're courageous, they've had a life-changing experience, and they're black conservatives. These are the voices of the movie Uncle Tom. See it now at UncleTom.com. It's a story of hope and redemption and understanding. You can save 20%, by the way, if you enter the promo code Cleveland. Save 20% off the cost of Uncle Tom at UncleTom.com. Use the promo code Cleveland. Back to the phones we go. And I just noticed my friend Mike Goldstein down there at the bottom of this call call screen. Michael Goldstein on AM 1420, The Answer. It's good to talk to you, my friend. How are you? 
thanks, Bob. I'm fine. I'll try to be fast. I see we're approaching the end of the hour. Um, my assistant, Kathy Johnson, and I both testified before the State Board of Education on Tuesday. Um, you, you know, you get five minutes to testify. But with all the questions and speeches made by the board members, Kathy was up there for about half an hour. I was up there for a full hour answering questions. There were two things going on. Uh, the 1619 project was not really on the agenda. We brought that up proactively and asked that it be taken out of the Department of Education website as a resource for teachers and students. So that's what we were arguing about. Um, the other thing is, I think what you were talking about was Resolution 20. Correct. And Now, that was amended just before they voted on it, so, and I don't have the final um, amendment. I just want to talk about three, not talk about, but summarize three of the resolutions um, that were in the one that I, I have, one of the late ones before the amendment. Okay. Um, the Board of Education will look for ways to encourage our members in open and courageous conversations on racism, inequity, and white privilege. She'll offer training to board members to identify our own implicit biases so we can perform our duties without unconscious racism. And and, and State Board of Education shall require training for all state employees and contractors working with the Department of Education to identify their own implicit biases so they can perform their duties to the citizens of Ohio without unconscious racial bias. This is, it may have been amended. I don't know what the amendment says. I doubt they took all of this stuff out of it. This is what they want to implement, and now they're looking to implement this. I just want to say that I'm working with a lot of important people, people you know, and this fight isn't over, even though it passed. I'm glad to hear you say that, Mike. Uh, our mutual friend Peter Kersenow, I know, is also working to try to uh, unring this bell. He wrote a letter to the board uh, requesting that they take this back up again in September when more uh, testimony can be heard, because Peter, obviously, as a member of the United States Commission on Civil Rights, is a very, very powerful figure in this field, and he's got information that uh, probably was not presented. So between you and him and others like you guys who are very dedicated, I'm hopeful, again, that this bell can be unrung, because it is so so dangerous for um, you know, for the students the, for the students of Ohio schools to be to be exposed to this. Go ahead. And regarding the sixteen nineteen project, our point was that it's not accurate. It's unscholarly. It's not accurate. And when some of the major inaccuracies were pointed out to the New York Times editor of this document, she just blew it off. She didn't care whether right. it was accurate or not. So, it, it, it was peer reviewed. It was peer reviewed by other New York Times journalists and and who and, and yeah. historians and pointed out why these are wrong. And you're right; they completely ignored it. And then they won the Pulitzer Prize for this thing uh, uh, a couple of months ago. And Pulitzer, it's the Pulitzer Foundation uh, grant that created the curriculum they want to install. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is, um, it Bob, is maybe terrifying. you and I can do a segment on this next week. Um, I, I would love to do so. Especially if you very, get your hands on the amendments, I would. Yeah, especially if you get your yeah. hands on the amendments to the to, the, to, to uh, proposal twenty, uh, we'll definitely talk I about all. I expect to have it today. I all right, let, let me know when you do, Michael. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. God bless. Uh, I've only got time for one call left. Who's been here the longest? Uh, Dan, Middleburg Heights. Go ahead, Dan. Okay, real quick. You haven't mentioned on your show. Also important. Switching back to the positive uh, virus. Yeah. Last night on Laura Ingram on a national show, someone over the internet mentioned about uh, somebody in Ohio having been tested eight times. They had their investigator go into Ohio. They tracked down the lady, and she was tested 15 times in wow. Ohio. 
Well, we know this is happening. We've heard it reported, and we know that it's happening to a lot of people. And uh, there's also something else that was on Laura Ingram last night we didn't get to, a seven-minute segment disproving the idea that masks work. We'll probably hit that tomorrow as well. For now, Mike Gallagher's coming up on AM 1420, The Answer. Have a good day. Silence.